right. We are back. We are live. <clears throat> welcome to, or welcome back to your Everyday Rich podcast. Yeah. Uh, if this is your first time, thank you for joining and finding us. If you have heard us before and you're back again, well, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you. <laughs> if this is your first time listening, uh, your Everyday Rich podcast was really a... Um, wanted to bring you into our living room conversations about money because having tough conversations about money doesn't happen enough. And we found that, you know, in order to understand and improve your wealth and your financial well-being and live everyday rich, you kind of have to have these conversations and topics about money. So, and in between, we kind of, you know, uh, make fun and navigate around our, our own lives, our own lives and cultural norms that we had to, had to like maneuver around so um but yeah no this is um this is more of a i think uh call it an introductory episode yeah we just wanted to share our i guess jason and i's individual as well as our combined investing journey um yeah with um, you guys because i think i think a lot of these um financial journeys the thing about you know they call it personal finance mm -hmm. for a reason is because it's personal right the financial literacy part like is they're evergreen topics right even though that things that people have brought up years ago they still they still are the same mm -hmm. yeah, there's some tweaks to it but the personal finance we wanted to add that personal touch to it here today because you might be listening to the last couple episodes, be like, who the hell are these guys, right? Their names are not Jeff Bezos and Belinda Gates. Essentially, today we are just going to talk about... Ourselves. Yeah, that sounds... <laughs> we're going to talk we're about gonna, ourselves. We're going to interview each other. Yeah, How's we're that? We're interviewing each other. So we're going to bring you back in terms of how we got started, right? Like, yeah. How did we get started in our investing journey? Because you might be sitting there and be like, wherever you are, you might be like, how do I get started? Like, I haven't started yet. And it feels daunting. It can be. It can be. And that's the thing. We want to bring you through our journey of where we started and give you some context. So, yeah. Oh, let's dive into it. Yeah. So, so how did you start? How did I start? Yeah. And you put me in the hot seat first. Yep. I don't think that's how we rehearsed this. Oh. Okay. Do you want me to start? We don't, we don't rehearse this. No, we don't rehearse this. Um, we don't have time to rehearse this. Yeah, how so, do you start? I think when it comes down to it, you know, I, I grew up in a very, uh, I would call it traditional um, Asian immigrant, like Chinese Asian immigrant uh, upbringing, right? In a family that um, was told to save and work very hard and be loyal, obviously, to your work, study hard, work, mm -hmm. etc. In terms of the investing side, my parents were always, were always good savers. Like, I think the, our parents' generations have always been good savers. And I want to share this with you in terms of give you some context, right? Because, you know, that has instilled some good habits in myself. 100%. Um. And they did do investing and our views and exposures of investing is usually through our parents or through our relatives or through our friends or through random encounters. So I think 
I got exposed to investing through like my parents because, you know, they did do the mutual funds and the GICs. And this is before low cost index funds were around. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it's to their fault. If anything, it's smart that they actually did something with their money. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I started with. But really, in terms of true investing uh, was with the stock market, because I mean, the stock market and I still believe it is still the most accessible asset class to get into of a form of investment. So how'd you learn about the stock market? Well, I actually got exposed to it by my uncle because my uncles were always talking about the stock market and talking about, did you hear about uh, Blackberry? Blackberry? Did you hear about uh, (laughs) Enron? Did you hear about like, you know, whatever, all these companies? Yeah. And so you naturally kind of just, you know, overhear some of these conversations at at the parties. And um, I got exposed to through my uncle who was a very avid stock investor um, and still is today. And uh, that's how I got exposed to it. I bought my first stock when, oh my goodness, I don't remember, 19? Everyone remembers their first stock. I know, I remember, I don't remember when I bought it, but it's sometime in early university, but uh, mid-university. So probably around my early 20s, but it was BlackBerry. Um, you were big at that time. They, they, this was before BlackBerry changed. So they were still called RIM. So yeah. the ticker was R-I-M, right? In Canada, it was R-I-M-M. So yeah. you get a Canadian version of that. So mm-hmm. anyways, that was Yeah, my... they were they were blowing up at that time. Yeah, if you don't, don't remember. They were putting out what... phones and everybody was carrying a BlackBerry. If you don't remember what the, the BlackBerry, like BlackBerry Messenger was like the shit. Yeah. This this took ICQ messaging to a whole new level. Like, well, that's why everyone wanted a BlackBerry yeah. because you wanted to be in this BlackBerry messenger business. You could right? be ICQing You're... each like imagine ICQ. If, it's essentially think of like WhatsApp, but it was on the computer only. Mm-hmm. You could only be in front of the computer. But now BlackBerry was like you could take ICQ with you and just message people. It was message like instant friends. messaging. Yep. yep. Right. You went from paging to instant messaging. But anyway, so that was kind of my first four way for. Uh, into uh, the stock market was RIM. And I remember doubling my my $500 investment uh, and I took it all out. <laughs> and uh, how about yours? What was yours? My... How did you get, what was your, you know, how did you get into it? How did I get into it? So similar to you, obviously I grew up in a Asian immigrant family, right? Both my parents worked nine to five. Um, Both of them stayed with their companies for the majority of their career. Very Mm -hmm. stable jobs. Very stable, saving, things like that. Um, So my first job was at Zellers. This is when I was 16 years old. And my when I got a few couple of paychecks, my parents took me to the bank HSBC specifically, that's where they invest. And they told me to put a couple hundred dollars into RSPs. I had no idea what they were. Um, Ooh, the infamous RRSP. That's right. So I, you know, I took a couple hundred dollars, put in my RSPs. Obviously, my dad and my mom picked the mutual fund for me. I had no idea. Yeah, so sorry, sorry to interrupt here. On. It just says one, one thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's like I was 16 years old. RRSPs, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, that's is a Canadian retirement savings uh, fund. So it's registered retirement savings plan. So it's a type of registered re- um, 
investment vehicle that the mm-hmm. Canadian government recognizes, right? So yeah. um, anyways, just wanted to kind of say it's similar, I guess, anyone in the States is like your 401k, is it? Yeah. Yeah. 401k? I think so. I think it's like the 401k. Yeah, yeah something like that. So. so that was my first, I guess you'd call it investment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because I was told to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like I had no idea. I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to spend all this money that I'm earning from Zeller, so might as well put something to to grow it. So that was my first exposure. How, how much did you get paid? Do you remember? What was your what was minimum wage back then? I got paid 722. Minimum wow. wage was 685. So when I found out that I got 722, I was ecstatic because it now was, we know why it was Zellers, higher than minimum wage. Now we know why Zellers went out of business <laughs> pay paying people like you above minimum wage. Yeah. To, to... It was a big thing. But anyways 722. Uh, I remember that distinctively. Um, so that was my first exposure to investing. Um, when I come back to my first stock investment, that was, I think, probably my last year of university. How did you, okay, what, uh, how, how did you become aware of the stock market? Why, why the stock market? So my dad invests in the stock market. Mm. So actually, when I was a kid, my parents would all because we got the toronto star mm-hmm. every saturday and you get that huge stack mm-hmm. actually we got it every every day except for sunday yeah. but saturday is when you get the the, the yeah. gigantic stack right and my parents used to always encourage me to read the finance section yeah, of the toronto star yeah, yeah. like just read even just the front page yep. like the big headline like the main article yep. but you know me as a teenager I was like whatever <laughs> like i don't want to read that i'm going through the entertainment section like <laughs> The TV guide. The TV, exactly. The, the TV guide, entertainment. You probably went straight to sports. Like, uh, no. No. Yeah. Okay. We, I did not read the business section of the Toronto Star for a, actually, ever. Really. Uh, surpri- actually, I did. Actually, after graduating, I started reading the business section of the Toronto Star. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So my parents always encouraged me. Did I listen? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. When I come to think of it now, like I probably should have, but shoulda, woulda, coulda. I mean, you're a teenager, so what What do you know? So then, okay, so that gave you an introduction into the stock market because your parents, your dad. My, my, dad, dad, invests, in my dad invests in stocks. Um, I would see, you know when you, back in the day when you purchase a stock, you get mailed oh, yeah, yeah. this slip? This is back in the day. Yeah. It was before Quest Trade, before all these like fancy like. Yeah, Wealth Simple and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, they don't exist. So when you buy a stock, you get a slip mailed to your house. Yeah, when you sell brokerage. a stock, you get a slip mailed to your house. And that's what I saw. Like mail would come in. I would see these slips, right, on the counter. Yeah, you own X of Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> that was back in the day. That's how they did it back in the day, right? Um, so I would see like some of the some of the slips on the countertops when the mail would come in. So that's kind of like I knew how my, I never really, again, we never talked about this at home, right? This is the whole, whole thing. Like we never talked about finances, but I knew they were investing in the stock market. Yeah. That's Uh, good. That's cool. Uh, Cause yeah. Do you remember those slips? I never got them because I invested afterwards and my parents, my parents never bought individual stocks. Yeah. um, Prior. I don't even know if they ever did, but yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I remember seeing like potash. I, I, I know. Like... I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah. yeah. So like... that was kind of how I was exposed to the stock market. I obviously ended up doing a little more research into it, like as 
through university and stuff, but was never really took a deep dive into it because mainly because I was scared mm -hmm. because I knew nothing about it. I took econ 102, which is introduction to macroeconomics in university. Um, so I was exposed and that was a great course because I actually was exposed to macroeconomics. Sure. Understanding monetary policies, fiscal policies, things like that. Um, so that really kind of helped kind of give me a little more insight on the economy in general. Mm -hmm. um, and I started doing more research on the stock market. And the first one I came across was OptiNexon. And for people who know me I, personally, I am a chemical engineer. Mm -hmm. I studied at Waterloo. So I was exposed to a lot of the oil and gas industry. OptiNexon at that time is a company... They were doing what they called SAG-D, which is steam-assisted gravity drain, which is a technology used to extract in the oil sands. Anyways, oh. I don't want to get into that rabbit hole. <laughs> Sorry. But anyways, I was exposed to the oil and gas industry, and this is a company's doing big things at that time, and they were investing a lot of money in this technology that was, you know, kind of brand, in, a, in a way kind of new. Um, so I invested in it. And just like you, I invested in it. I forget how much it was, but I know I made $400. Ooh, geez, hey. And the second I made $400, I sold it. Yeah. <laughs> Which was amazing. I made $400. Like, grand scheme of things, yeah, it wasn't huge. But to me, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. To make 400 bucks on your first stock investment, like, that was a huge win for me. And you know what this cool thing is about that, too, is I remember when I... I remember when I sold Rim, right, on that because there was some. I don't even remember what the, the news and the pop was, right? I remember, I remember that that line, uh, that Tupac line, right, uh, in one of his songs is like, you know, you know, I made a G today, right, but you made it in a sleazy way. It's like <laughs> I did not make it in a sleazy way, and you you realize that you put money into this vehicle, and it, I didn't have to do anything. I literally it just it made money. Right now, granted, we're not going to argue about the whole like, you know, stock market goes down and it's all these other things. But I think it goes to show you the power of in terms of uh, buying an asset, right? Investing into an asset. Yeah. That that essentially can grow for you. Like it just works when you're not working. Yeah. I didn't have to go to Zellers yeah. and like work an eight hour hours. shift, yeah. right? To get that money. But I remember at that time when investing in that stock... Like, I don't think I was thinking about long term or no. like it was yeah, just yeah. really a experiment, to be honest. S Seriously, it, it was an experiment because I've never done it before and I wanted to try it out. I think I put in like 400 bucks into it, mm -hmm. which was still a substantial amount of money for me at that yeah, time. Yeah, you're making seven bucks an hour, yeah. And then I came out with eight. So yeah. to me, that's a huge win. And I think it really showed, like you said, it just shows you how. You can invest in something in a specific asset and you can get make money off of it. Yeah. And and uh, I check that stock every single day. I don't know about you, but I checked it every I've single day. I probably checked it every other day like, of RIM. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it wasn't a, like now when you buy a stock, when you know it's a long term investment, like I, I don't check it every yeah, day. So I that's how much I've changed a little bit. But when I bought my first stock, yeah. I checked it every single day. Yeah. So I guess. So what would you say your like investing style was back then? And what would you say it is now? Like, has that changed if you kind of reflect back? 
Yeah, I think now it's more definitely more long term. I wasn't as I mean, I was also immature at that time, right? So I wasn't looking at it from a long term standpoint. I was just looking to really just you just want to make a quick make buck. more. Ex- yeah, <laughs> I, I admit it. Like that's that was my immature brain, right? Like that's what most kids. Well, I, well how do I make more money as quickly as possible? Right? Every day I'm hustling. Now it's more so obviously I have more responsibilities. Yeah. I have more, I have dependents, right? So I got to think about not just myself, right? I got to think about other people and how I can support other people at the same time. Yeah. So that philosophy has changed. Um, I'm not, I'm looking more also from a long-term perspective versus making as much money as quickly as possible in the short time, right? Yeah, um, I would say for myself, um, I've always been a bit more on the aggressive side. So if you've ever gone into um, a financial assessment, like uh, <laughs> quote unquote, you go into the bank for your uh, with a financial advisor, right? And they'll kind of they'll give standard template questions about your profile, right? Yep. They're essentially trying to they're essentially trying to put you in a category saying. Are you risky? Are you more risk? Uh, uh, are you okay with more risky investments or are you prone to risk, right? Are you more on the kind of path? I don't want to expose myself to much risk. Don't they automatically just put you in a higher risk category based on your age? No, they recommend based on your age to put in to more growth, um, growth stocks, right? Growth sectors, mm-hmm. which automatically get categorized as risk risky i feel like i just throw i was thrown into their no, high risk category well, when i on... when i did my first not interview but like <laughs> when my first right? my assessment i feel like yeah well it's the questions you answer remember. right what's your time horizon right yeah so if you have more time you can be a bit more risky mm-hmm. if you that are, makes sense yeah if your goals are to accelerate your growth then yeah you need to be a put a uh, have a bit more risk profile uh, risk in your profile higher risk potentially right, higher reward well there's a there's there's always obviously a, a, a potential payoff that um, can compound much faster, right? With riskier assets. But anyways, I think when I w- went through that, I was just like, and all, they always asked you when you went back, right? And this is before we did individual stocks and we still had, we used the bank's brokerage, right? I used TD mm-hmm. starting out as the brokerage where there wasn't any discount brokerages. Like it was, you just go to the banks, you use their online brokerages and you buy a stock, right? And it was so clumsy and everything. It's still clumsy, but you do those assessments. Now they do it online. They don't do it in person because you mm-hmm. don't go to the bank. And it was always still aggressive. It's always been aggressive. Um, so in terms of my style, I think I'm more open to looking at uh, aggressive, I would say more um, growth oriented mm-hmm. assets classes. Mm-hmm. But that has changed recently in the last few years because similar to what you're saying, like there's other people in the picture now that you have to consider, but also the long-term goal, like the long-term, it's always been long-term for me because I've never looked at it as saying, you know, other than RIM and, you know, I wasn't really introduced to trading. It was just, you hold it on forever. That's that's the theory. Long-term yep. investing is you buy and you hold, never check it again until later. Yep. Right, hopefully, that's the idea. So, um, but the idea for me now is, the ph- like my philosophy now has changed a little bit because it's moving from, just growth stocks to more value stocks 
and also stocks that can produce some sort of income. Because down the road, we're all looking for cash generating income or cash generating mm-hmm. assets, right, that produce income. And the idea is that down the road is that, you know, when you're ready to retire, right, when guys, when we talked about this retirement thing, uh, whatever that means to you is that you have cash flowing assets, whether mm-hmm. that through be dividend stocks, whether that be real estate, whether that be through some sort of like cryptocurrency or some business or something like that, right? So for me, that's kind of how it's shifted a little bit. So did you start off with more where well, you started obviously after RIM, yeah. you purchased more stocks. Were the majority of them like growth stocks? Oh, there yeah, a lot of them were growth stocks, but they I actually so there was um so I'll, reading more in Buffett's books and there was a book that I read uh Oh my God, can I reach it here? Is that, James Lin- is that Jane Lynch? No, Jane- Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch, sorry. Oh, I don't want to fall over. The Intelligent Investor? No, The Intelligent Investor. So the is that what you're talking investor about? Intelligent Investor is, um, is Warren Buffett's essentially oh. book. It's, it's a tough read, but essentially just buy undervalued assets, essentially it, right? Know exactly what you're paying for. Um, but here, this one, Peter Lynch. People uh, can't see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. People on the audio can't see that, but for it's essentially... It's called Beating the Street by Peter Lynch. And he's one of the best um, best performing fund managers uh, that tr- consistently outperformed the market, like big time. Mm-hmm. And his theory was essentially invest in what you know. Use your eyes and ears and your observations as a consumer, right? Because we live in a consumer world to look at trends because you know better than anyone, than any other fund manager that has all the tricks and tools and all these gadgets because you're essentially putting yourself where the consumers spend the money. That's now my second stock list on Core. Another well, one and guess. That's exa- <laughs> well, you mentioned, right? What well, that, that company that you, uh, what was the company? The- OptiNexus. OptiNexus because you're in the industry. So if you guys are listening, if you're in an industry, sometimes the easiest ways to have a one-up on the market it's actually you're in that industry because you know what that company is doing. You have inside, I want it's not insider trading. Like you have inside information on what they're investing in, what they're progressing, what's working for them, what they're failing at. You have that information. You probably understand it more than the general public. Exactly because those type of you things, know right? you know how the industry works. You know the technology. You know the tools. You know the processes, right? So if something you hear about them saying, well. Wait, hold on. They're actually doing that way versus another way. It gives you it gives you an additional um, data point for you to just basically make an assessment. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about like you know going through all the uh, the um, financial statements and cash statements. yeah, the cash flow statements and all that stuff. Like this is just observations, mm-hmm. right? And that's changed for me ever since I read that book because now I literally go out and look at. Which stores have the most lineups? That's why Jason loves Costco. If you follow him on Instagram at, was it Mr. Jason Cow? You will see he will always post about Costco. And that is why he loves Costco and owns Costco stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is not financial (laughs) advice. So do not buy Costco, okay? Do not buy Costco. But uh, I use that as kind of my gauging tool, right? Before Mm -hmm. I even look into the numbers. Right. And like, I don't dive deep down into the numbers like a lot of value in, uh, investors. Like, they will go line by line and look, be like, yep, that's exactly the CAGR and that's exactly the PE ratio that it needs to be. And 
I think you should understand some of the fundamentals of what to look for mm-hmm. when you're diving into the stocks. But for me, I just use my eyes and ears. I love going out and checking, but like, how long are the lines? How are the people feeling, right? Do cons- this consumer sentiment still feel very strong here? And you ask around. Um, you know, I give just another story. Like, remember before we were actually going to buy Amazon Prime? We were signing up for Amazon. So a few years, like several, several years ago, <laughs> they rolled out Amazon Prime to Canada, right? And we were still one of the last few people I remember of our friends groups that had Amazon Prime. We were still, you know, I was like, no, I don't want to pay money. I still get free shipping. And it was still like three days, two days. It's still recent, yeah. decent. But then one of my research tools, I remember looking, reading this book, right? It was just, okay, go do your market research with your friends and, and who you know. And I asked 20 people, I still have the spreadsheet, I asked 20 friends. If they had Amazon Prime. If they had Amazon Prime and why'd they buy it? Mm-hmm. And everyone had it except one person. And because that person's super cheap. <laughs> but I guarantee you that person has it now. But it was like, yeah, no, I like just convenience. It comes next day. Mm-hmm. It comes next day. And the whole, we were hearing about the rumors of same day shipping. Yeah. Right. And that convenience factor of technology, which was coming around of Uber and of Uber Eats and this and all these things. I literally went there. I was like, okay, that's a really good sign, right? It wasn't my only reason for buying Amazon, but that gave me very, very good confidence to go in knowing that, hey, this trend is still picking up, right? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? That's an extra $100 for every person that signs up. Yeah. Multiply by how many users. And they never released Amazon, uh, stock ticker AMZN, never released any of these numbers in their quarterly results, in in their financial statements. So we knew that, like I knew that when they start releasing like Amazon Prime numbers and how many signups they got, it was just going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And it turned out every single quarter got bigger and bigger and bigger. So anyways, that was kind of the some of the investing philosophy. I take it really basic. Just invest in what you understand, invest in what you know, and keep it really straightforward. And I know I want to, I want to ask you this, right? You know, there's obviously stocks that we've invested that have been not so stellar. And I can give you nope. some of the some of the examples of early on when I started. You know, we're not all lucky of just picking stocks. And I think before you deep dive into like picking stocks or you even consider the stock market, don't even think about looking at individual stocks. Stick to an ETF, which is an index of trade, like an uh, index fund, right? Low cost index fund that just follows the market. Because the general theory is that the entire market can never go to zero. Facebook and Amazon can, can go, go to, to zero. zero. The entire market market cannot. The entire market cannot, right? So if you want to sleep at night, that's a really great way of doing it. Not um, investing advice, but it's I just love a my prudent ETFs. way. Yeah, ETFs are so easy. They're simple. My favorite ETF, again, not investing advice. My favorite ETF is VFV. It's like the Vanguard. Yeah. Vanguard something. Yep. But it basically just follows the S&P 500. Yep. So historically, right, yep. we know the S&P 500 increases over time, I think, was it 7 8% or something like that? Yep. yep. So if you invest, I think it's 7 8%. If you invest in the VFV ETF, it just goes up with the stock market in time, yep. right? And honestly, I don't plan on taking that out till much later. Well, probably never. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. A long, long time. So yeah. it's just the money's just sitting there and it's growing. At seven to eight yeah, percent. Obviously, it shrunk over the past 
couple months, but it right. doesn't really matter because yeah, I'm, not I'm not taking out till like 20 years later. So it doesn't really matter what it's doing right now. Yeah. And that's the idea, right? So it's like, you know, sometimes like, you could see our investing philosophy before, like, you know, uh, to go back where, yeah, I put money into highly speculative uh, stocks before. I don't even know. I remember like this one time I was at work and this is during the downturn. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, hey, you heard about this thing called uh, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac? I was like, no, no, obviously, because that was part of the 2008 meltdown. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, it's so cheap now. It went down to like five bucks or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was just getting started in my journey in 2007, in 2008, right? In terms of like stock invest, like really into it. And then someone was mentioning something and, you know, you're just dumb at that time. You're just like, yeah, I'll throw some money at it. Sounds cheap, right? And then I never saw that money again. <laughs> it went to like pretty much a hundred bucks, like a couple, eh, not too much. It was like a grand or two or something like that. Right. But like, that was just, that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done with a stock, you know, um, that wasn't trading. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of you go in this with the investment mentality, long-term hold and, you didn't even, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what it, what they did, why it was cheap, how they made money, mm-hmm. right? I do now, but you know, those are the, those are the types of uh, lessons that we learned um, going through this. Where you know, you you don't take the advice of someone just because you think it's a hot tip, because it went against my investment philosophy. Like, do I even know what this is? Yeah. But I, I didn't read this book until much later. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can see that's obviously you don't know what you don't know. So uh, but I remember that was kind of one of the uh, worst stock purchases I've made. Yeah. So Jason and I are quite opposite when it comes to mm-hmm. investment stuff, which is, I guess, not a bad thing because we balance each other out. Like he said, he's definitely more riskier than I am. I'm what you call the couch potato stock investor. I'm not the one to look at charts all the time just is not my thing Mm -hmm. so i like to invest in things where i know it's long term i know it's a good buy good fundamentals and i'll buy it and then hopefully not look at it for like a couple of months yeah yeah because i don't plan and if it if it's a red that's okay i don't freak out about it because i don't plan on taking it out till much later I also really like dividend stocks. Those are my favorite. And shout out to dividends, man. Yeah. I remember when we were comparing our stock portfolios, we <laughs> decided to, because he had his own, I had my yeah. own. I, I Majority of my stock portfolio is actually in my TFSA yeah. because I know all the, yeah. the gains I make on it. It's tax-free. So when we started comparing <laughs> our stock portfolio, you'll notice like 80% of my stock portfolio are majority dividend stocks. Yeah, on the like, flip side, mine's like 80% growth and like 20% dividend. Yeah, so we kind of balance each other out. But the reason I like dividend stocks is... It's boring. It's easy. It's boring. Yeah, but dividend. If people don't know what dividend stocks are, they're basically stocks usually by companies who are pretty well off. They're not growing, not big growth companies, but they have a pretty established business. Mm. Um, as a result, they're very stable, they make consistent profit, and they're able to give a portion of that profit to their um, shareholders. shareholders. So every year, they will give out a portion 
to the shareholder. Yeah, and it's distributed what either monthly, or monthly, quarterly. annually, quarterly, whatever, yeah. right? But that's why I like it is because I invest in it, and then every year I get a payout. So <laughs> not even it's like you get you get these letters and emails saying, oh, dividend payout, dividend, payout, dividend, dividend payout, payout, right? And then usually if they're doing well, dividends and I also look at the company's, I guess, change in dividend yields as well. Yeah. Like you can see the progression, you know, if the company has continuously to pay dividend yields and or increase their dividend yields. Yeah. So that allows me to make a decision on, hey, that company's been like paying out their, their shareholders yeah. for like 10 years, right? Yeah, like Coke's been doing it for, geez, it's ever since Buffett's been investing in it. So yeah, and, years and years and years. And that's the thing is that, you know, Warren Buffett's dividend payout is bigger than some people's, uh, and like some company's annual revenue. Mm -hmm. Like it's something stupid. I think it was like $30 million and just 300 million. I don't even know what it is, but it's mm -hmm. massive. Just dividends. And he doesn't do anything. He just collects dividend checks. Yeah. Right. And that may seem really small because I know there's, you know, people are going to be like, well, I need a billion dollars to make anything substantial. And it's like, okay, yeah, get it. It's all relative, right? How many zeros you put in there. But if you build that up and you compound it over time, it gets to a that's where you, the magic happens. And that's why I love dividends is when it gets to a certain point where that dividend payout, I don't actually take that cash. What I do is I invest whatever they pay me out in, I throw it back in and buy another portion of the share. Yeah, it's called the drip. A drip, so, right? Yeah. So that allows me, like every time I get paid out, it just keeps on investing and compounding over time. So instead of owning just one share, without even buying a new share, they paid me to buy a new share. Yep. Right? Yeah, I, I didn't put any of my own additional money to buy that second share. Like mm -hmm. literally, they just paid me to buy another share. Yeah, and there's a caveat to that, right? That you need a specific amount of yeah. shares. The dividend payout has to equal the same amount of one share. Correct. So if your dividend payout is 20 cents every share, and the share is, one share is $1. You need five of them. So you need five shares because five times 20 cents gives you $1. Correct. Right? Again, so, that, that over time, that works, yeah. right? The beginning, maybe if you buy a small portion, that won't happen. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, yeah, that money sits in cash or whatever. But once that compounds, it just, the ball just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, so my, like, um, it, there, you know, Jen's obviously, you know, more dividend focused. I actually like the dividends because, like you said, my philosophy has started to change over time. Whereas I take the, the ideas to take the growth. Um, I like to use the term. It's um, sorry, take the growth uh, and buy income, which is right, dividend stocks, because then you're able to accumulate more of these income generating assets. Whereas a growth stock, not, there's no guaranteed payout. There is no dividend because they're putting all the money back in from profits back into their business, back into research and technology. So for me, you know, um, I love the term <laughs> get money, buy income. Right. Mm -hmm. I heard this term somewhere, but I love using it. It's like get money, buy income. Right. And the get money part is either through your growth stocks or through your business, through your income, and you buy income you just you're buying income now that you have money you buy the income right and recently for the last i would say four or five years like you know, we've we've ventured into real estate because that's another asset class that helps us diversify and that's the thing where jen and i like 
our portfolios help diversify each other, right? Because, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in any market, especially the stock market. It will go up and go down. But you know, mm -hmm. the idea is that you ride these really choppy uh, waves um, to much later. And having her portfolio balance out my portfolio and other times, it, that's how it works. And as your goals change, then your asset allocation should change. And for us, there's a bigger portion now of real estate entering because we believe real estate is one of the best asset classes to invest in, right? To that, grow your wealth. To grow your wealth, right? As part of that journey, the your everyday rich, we asked ourselves, what other things can we invest in that will help us get to that, that point, right? To allow us to live our everyday rich. And, you know, other than the, the tax advantages of real estate and a whole bunch of other things, but, you know, it's... It's, it's similar to like a dividend. It's an income generating asset, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we won't get into the whole real estate part, but we want to share with you, like that's part of our philosophy now. Our, our goals have kind of aligned and changed to the point where we're looking for different uh, pieces tables. of the puzzle yeah. to fit in there. Because if you go and Google, do this, what do the rich, what do rich people invest in? It's real estate, right? Ask ChatGPT, whatever. Right? ChatGPT. Tell them to tell ChatGPT to explain it to you in a, as a, as a five year old. Mm -hmm. No, seriously, to do that, it's actually really cool. But you'll see the top earners and the most wealthiest people invest in stocks, real estate, other commodities, right? Obviously, other businesses, but those are the two biggest things: stocks and real estate, because. Stocks is the most accessible, accessible, as we mentioned, right? Yep. Anyone can do it. You can do it from your phone right now. Like I could pick up my iPad and open up any of the discount brokerages, right? Like whatever it is, Quest Trade, RBC, like RBC is not a discount brokerage, but uh, well, well, simple, whatever it is, right? Uh, you go to the States, like TD Ameritrade, all these other things. Mm -hmm. um, and I can literally throw in buy 500 stock. bucks and buy like a piece of Amazon. Right. I could buy a piece of Facebook. I could buy a piece of whatever VFE, right? The, the entire index. Mm -hmm. And real estate is something that I think a lot of people can see. You could physically see it, right? I, it's I like a it. physical asset. It's a physical asset, right? Yeah. It's hard to understand like a stock. It's like, I'm not, I don't get to keep any of like, I don't get to keep any of Google or Amazon. Yeah. Right? To share. To but share. A share is not, like you said, it's not visible. Yeah. But you know, I could see a house. I could touch an apartment building. I could touch land. I could walk on it. And you can also are, touch gold. You can also touch gold. Yeah, there's all these things, right? And those are, there's many different things. Gold, silver, uh, different precious metals. Mm -hmm. um, you can buy, which we do have, have invested into and purchased precious metals mm -hmm. as part of that diversification. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't generate any income. But it's a store no. of value, right? It's more That's of a right. store of value. Um, and like the idea here is you could see like we hopefully we kind of brought you through our journey, right? Where it started really like just us kind of being introduced by either our, our parents or our relatives and how that's kind of shaped our journey because our, you know, where we're kind of going now, it changes. But mm -hmm. the long term vision is always still there. So if you're asking yourself like, oh, my God, I still don't know what to invest in, right? Like. Well, don't worry. We didn't know either. <laughs> we didn't know either. But there are a lot of things that you could pick from. 
and it's just a matter of saying, okay, well, which one fits me the most, right? What what am I? What do I? What can I relate to or understand the most? When it comes down to it, you have you're going to invest in something. You need to understand what you're mm-hmm. buying, right? You have the thing about um, purchasing an asset. Remember, you are becoming you are buying ownership. That's what that's what it is. You're buying ownership. And in the game of wealth, people that own things become wealthier. Mm-hmm. And this is not like the Scrooge thing. I'm not trying to like promote like you just buy everything so you can like keep everything. But it's part of that your everyday rich journey that you're trying to increase your financial health and your well-being in the long term by ownership. And that's exactly how we get to that end game is through ownership, whether you own a single share whether you own a fraction of an apartment building, whether you own one house, mm-hmm. or whether you own a hundred houses, right? That ownership is what will get you there. So our journey of investing is really the journey of ownership, right? We want to own as many assets as possible. And that's hopefully what we want to empower you to, to do. And the right? first part to it is, like you said, learning about it, right? Yeah. Find out everything you can know about that particular asset. Yep. Absolutely. Because you don't want to go into it and give you reasons afterwards and saying, well, oh, it's gone down. My real estate has gone down, whatever, 15%. Yeah. My house value has gone down 15%. And, or my stock's gone down like 25%. Oh, shoot. I thought this was a great stock or this is a great house in a great area. Well, stuff does ride cycles. Right? Mm-hmm. Just know that. And you're going to make mistakes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've, We've made tons made of mistakes. mistakes. We still make mistakes. Like no one, you can never guess. You can never guess the tops or the bottoms. Right. And the idea is that, you know, we've bringing you through this journey in our conversations so that you can hear about the things that we started with and the things that we're working on now and the mistakes that we've made. Right. Mm-hmm. So that hopefully you don't repeat those and you can take that and, Start your your journey. Um, yeah, so I think before we wrap up here, you know, we want to share with you kind of just where we started and where mm-hmm. we are right now. Like our portfolio mainly consists of real estate and stock and some precious metals. And, if, and a little bit of Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, it's not talking about crypto. Yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin was always a speculation for me. I know, but it, there's a little bit of that too. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of Bitcoin, so don't, no. don't, 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 don't try to at me with Bitcoin comments. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing is, is that like these are all assets that we're, we're, we're trying to research, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea here is start somewhere, start slow, start small, and build that that story up, right? Because you can't just put all your money into one basket and all of a sudden and think it's just going to like triple the next day. Like yeah. our first lucky stock picks, right? Of 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 RIM, Research and Emotion. Man, RIP BlackBerry. Jeez. It's gone now. Yeah, but um, that goes to show you, right? So the hottest technology can also disappear in a few years. So technology is always... Yeah. will always keep changing. And that's why technology, most of the time, they're growth stocks, right? Yep. So um, if you guys found this helpful, 
if you thought it was, um, you know, in if it made you ask a question about like, you know, well, hey, you know, about the stock market or about our story resonated with you or, you know, you could now you kind of understand where, you know, um, you could potentially start your journey with. Leave us a comment. I, we don't ask for anything, just but the fee for mm-hmm. us, please, is to leave a comment and rate us. Because that's the only way to help other people find our journey, right? To help encourage these conversations, our living room conversations, so that they become part of your living room conversations. And then that spreads to everyone else, right? Because this this mission of financial literacy needs to happen. Like it needs to go to everyone. Yeah. I don't care where you are and what you do. It's you... applicable. What's that? It's applicable oh, to everybody. Everyone. Like everyone. And the more that you can empower yourself in the financial, your financial journey, the better off you will be, I believe. Like, believe me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, guys, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, stay tuned till next time. See ya. Peace. Everyday Rich Podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.